I'm very nervous. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Um, it sounds weird um, for me to be up here talking about Father's Day. Um, I'm clearly not a father, but I have one, and I am married to one, and I have the very blessed opportunity to be able to observe fatherhood in action on a daily basis, and, and it's wonderful. Um, I know that there are many that aren't as fortunate as I am. I not only have a wonderful dad who loves me and raised, raised me alongside my mother to love God, our Heavenly Father, but I'm also married to um, who I consider a very righteous man who absolutely revels in being a father himself. I think that fatherhood was secretly one of his greatest aspirations, um, even if he didn't think so beforehand. Specifically, he wants to be that embarrassing dad. Like, that was his goal from, from day one, I think, from, from the moment we found out that I was pregnant for the first time, I, I think he had it in his mind. He started building up puns and really bad jokes and just all the ways that he could one day embarrass his children. Uh, every time one of our girls groans, and it's great because it's always like this, Dad. Like, and, and they're only, <laughs> they're not even teenagers yet, so they have... They have so much in store for them and so much embarrassment. Um, but every time one of them groans and rolls their eyes in embarrassment, he gets this really thrilled look on his face, like, mission accomplished. Like, he's just so proud of himself. And I love it. Um, last year, here in one of the classes at church, I don't know if it was junior church or Sunday school, but uh, they filled out this little questionnaire about dad. And I still have it. I kind of want to frame it because um, Ellie's was just perfect. One of the questions on it was, what makes your dad laugh? And she wrote, when he tells a joke. Because <laughs> not when anybody else tells a joke. When dad tells a joke, he laughs. And it's just perfect because that's Brian. He laughs at all of his own jokes. And he laughs the hardest, which actually makes me laugh even harder. So that's, I'm usually not laughing at his jokes. I'm usually laughing at him laughing at his own jokes. So I love it. I love every moment of it. I could not have picked a better man to raise our children. Um, but one of my favorite qualities is his desire to follow God's example, which leads to what I am here to talk about today, which is our Heavenly Father, the ultimate example. Now, I actually did a small devotion at the Mother's Day breakfast about um, the righteous woman. We, we looked over at Proverbs 31 with this big list of all these wonderful qualities of a righteous woman and like all these little check boxes that I just cannot fill out because I am not that good. And so there was a lot to live up to in that list. But I got to tell you, guys, we've got like our heavenly father, God, you know, so how do you live? How do you live up to that? The bar, the bar is very high. Um, <clears throat> so how do you live up to the standards of our father, God? The, the glimpses that we have of him biblically all compiled together, give us some, some really great insight and some, some guidelines to go by. Um, we talk about our father, the source of life. Do I have this in a good spot? Is this bad? I'm very sorry. Very paranoid up here. But I didn't want to hold a mic because my hands are shaking. So I'm just going to do this. Um, so our father, the source of life, he literally brought us into the world. I love it. I love that. Frank, I think it was Cosby who first um, really made that popular. I brought you into this world and I can take you out again. And, and that's our father, God. He brought us life he could probably take us right back out again, and I'm sure he could, but he loves us enough that, you know, I'm still standing here after all I've done. He fashioned us, he designed us, and he appreciated his work. So when we're born, you know, as parents, you, you think about how you want your child to, to look, and, you know, I thought about my first baby. I'm like, oh, I want her to have 
brown eyes like Brian, you know, and, and have really dark hair like him, and, you know, basically all of his qualities, I think. She looks just like me, so I didn't get that one right. But Ellie is very much the picture of her dad, so, so we're okay now. I've got my little brown-eyed, my little brown-eyed baby. I love both of my children, but I didn't get to pick how they looked. I didn't get to actually design them. But God designed us. He designed us, and he appreciated it, and he called us good. Um, and I think that that's fascinating, that he actually designed each of us. He, he knit us together, um, and, and he loved us. He created us the way he wanted us to be. So when we look at children and parents side by side, we often try to find similarities, right? She has his eyes, he has his nose, so on. I mean, if I do this, I'm basically my dad from here up. So I've got that going for me. Didn't we dress up as cowboys one year, Angie, for a play? And I wore a beard, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm my father. Immediately started plucking my eyebrows more because I've got those two, and I uh, <clears throat> was really paranoid. But God made us in his image as well. Uh, let's look at Genesis 1. Uh, we'll start at verse 27. There it is. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw, that all, saw all that he had made, and it was very good. He called us good. He loves his creation. He could have made us any way he wanted us, and he did. He made us exactly the way he wanted us, and then he gave us direction. He gave us blessings. Um, he gave us a role to play, a job to do. And he, gave us, he created us with purpose and design. And we should feel the same way about our children. They have a purpose. They have a role to play. Um, help them find it. Help them understand it. Um, help them know how to follow and to seek out God's purpose for them in life. And I think that's what many of the fathers in here are doing. So that's our father, our creator. We're going to look at our father, our corrector. So not only do we look at small children and think how good and beautiful they are, how lovely they were made, but we want to see our children grown and be able to take pride in the people that they become um, emotionally and mentally, uh, the way they behave. In our house, I'm usually, I'm usually the heavy. I'm the disciplinarian like no shock to any of you whatsoever, I'm sure. Um, I'm, this is probably just because I'm home all the time with them. I never leave my house, and if I do, it's generally with them in tow. And so I reserve all of the really big stuff for, for, for dad because first, I know that he's at work all day, and when he's at home and with his children, he wants to enjoy time with his children. He wants to enjoy being with them, um, and I would like him to enjoy that time. It's very precious. And, uh, but also... I save the really big stuff for him because he's like my secret weapon. He rarely gets angry. There's probably, I don't think any of you in this room have probably seen him angry except for his mom and grandma who are here. Um, but, I mean, this guy almost never gets angry. It's, it's amazing when he does. So it's way more effective than when I get mad. It's like, oh, mom's mad. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> that's every day. That's like all the time. Uh, so when I'm upset about something, that's nothing. But if dad is upset, whoa, now. You gotta watch out, it must be really bad. So I kind of reserve him for the, 
for the really bad stuff when I need a secret weapon. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause here because I'm, I'm, I was supposed to go in one direction talking about God, the loving corrector and disciplinarian, but I, I couldn't skip over to that without addressing my absolute favorite dad moment in the entire Bible, the moment where every parent can truly feel closest to God. And we're going to look at ex- Exodus 33. So here we have God, and he's on a crazy long road trip with several hundred of his children, like thousands of his children, and they're all on one big road trip through a desert together. Doesn't that sound like fun? And, and it's basically the equivalent of being lost. I mean, God knows exactly where they are, but they keep disobeying, so he keeps having to, like, wind them around the desert over and over for years. Um, so he's got all these children, and they're all disobeying all over the place. <clears throat> they're building a golden idol to worship. They're whining. They're complaining. They're basically being brats. And God, the good father that he is, he has forgiven them because they asked for forgiveness. And he's still going to take them where he's leading them. You know, like if we were on a trip to Disney World and we're driving down and my parents are, or my kids are driving me crazy, I'll still take them to Disney World, but it's just not going to be as pleasant on the way. Um, I will forgive them. Uh, but, you know, there's that frustration. We're all trapped in the van together. Well, <clears throat> God's out in the desert with all of his children, and he has forgiven them. He's going to take them to the promised land, this great and wonderful place, but he's still angry. So we're going to look at Exodus 33, starting at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, I will give this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, that doesn't sound right, Hivites, and Jebusites. Got it. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. And how many of you have ever felt that? Like, I can't be with you one more second because I'm going to hurt you and I don't want to hurt you because I love you. So when the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning and stopped wearing their jewelry and fine clothes because they were sorry. They felt bad. For the Lord had told Moses to tell them, You are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I were to travel with you for even a moment, I would destroy you. Remove your jewelry and fine clothes while I decide what to do with you. Get out of here, and I will decide what to do with you later. And how often have you ever felt like that as a parent? I love you, but you better get away from me right now. Right now. Get out. Go away while I decide what to do with you. I've told my children that many times, like, get out of this room. I don't care where you go. Just go. So I love it. So remember on your next road trip, dads, moms too, but we're talking to dads today, when you are out there and it's taking longer than it should because you won't admit that you're lost or you went the wrong way, um, God had it way worse, and he still didn't destroy his children. So suck it up. Um, Our father doesn't just discipline out of anger, though. He does lovingly correct his children. Um, And the passage that I really wanted to show you, um, that the one that we're supposed to aspire to, not the one that we relate the most to, is Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11. So let's look at that. God, um, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is telling the people to not lose hope because they're facing suffering. They're they're facing suffering on all sides, and they're facing um, lots of difficulties, uh, just issues all around them. So the writer of Hebrews references Proverbs 3. Um, in this passage. So we'll start at verse 5. 
And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father, addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I don't think that any loving parent truly enjoys disciplining their child, but we do it because we love them. And sometimes we do it a little bit out of anger too. I try not to, but we do it mostly because we love them. We want to look at them one day after they're grown and see this beautiful person shaped after God and we shape them through correct, correction and discipline. I love the verse here that's saying that if we aren't disciplined by God, we are not truly one of his children. You know, there are those kids, have you ever been in a situation, I'm sure you probably have, probably even here at church, in a situation where there's, the, there's kids around you and they're doing something that they shouldn't, but you're not their parent, so you don't want to say anything, and it feels really awkward to correct them and discipline them. You're just not close enough to them. You don't have that relationship. You don't have a position in their lives that allows you to discipline them. And then there are those kids that are around you all the time, so you have zero problems saying exactly whatever it is that you need to say to them. Um, And that's the kind of relationship we should have with God, and that's the kind of relationship we should have with our children. Be close enough with enough of a relationship to have authority and to have love, to be able to correct them properly. Have that kind of relationship with your children, just as your Heavenly Father has with you. We'll look at our Father, our provider. I believe it's an innate desire of every good father to want to provide for the children that he cares about. This includes our Heavenly Father. In Matthew 7, starting at verse 7, um, Jesus describes for us a God who wants to give his children good things. Verse 7, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? He who is perfect, who loves us perfectly and without condition, will give us and has given us so much more than what we deserve because he is a loving father. He is generous to his children And we should be generous in our love for our children also. Our Father who gives wisdom. I love hearing from people words of advice that their dads have given. 
<laughs> there are entire comedy routines written about things that their fathers have said to their children. And I searched for several last night and I got down a wormhole of weird dad sayings. And they were just, they were all fantastic. I loved all of them. But, but we remember those things. We remember things that our fathers have told us and have shown us. What kind of things did your fathers teach you? Maybe it wasn't necessarily what they said, but what they did. I saw my father, my dad, give tirelessly to his calling to follow God. He worked different jobs um, to provide for his family and also be able to serve in ministry at the same time. Uh, there were many times that he was working as a full-time pastor and also substituting at school or working in, uh, just working in different areas of life in order to continue being a pastor. He's doing the same now, pastoring with a home church and serving in nursing homes um, and also working full-time. So I watched him do that through, throughout my life growing up, and I watched him leave a, you know, a life in military to follow this weird calling to become a pastor and to move us all from Indiana down to Georgia to, to go to Atlanta Bible College. I grew up in church, not just going to church on Sundays, but actually living out a life um, serving God. I, I grew up in that service, surrounded by it. The church buildings that we were involved in every time we moved, they were my second home. I was there all the time. And I am so grateful that the father of my children wants to show his kids what a life serving God looks like as well. Um, my kids act like this is their second home, and, and that just warms my heart. Not so much when they're into stuff that they think is theirs and they really shouldn't be. Got to draw some boundaries. But, um, but I love the fact that they come into church and they're like, yay, church, I'm here again, you know. And, and that just warms my heart, and it, it makes me so glad that I'm not alone in that ambition, you know, that thing that I've learned from my dad, but my husband is, is right there with me. Um, he even took the kids with him to church last night so that I could stay home and work on this because... I'm a procrastinator, so um, they, they're, they're here all the time, and I love that. So I'm so grateful that the father of my children wants to show them that service. So think carefully about the type of instruction that you want to leave to your children. God gave us an entire book, um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, and my kids know this, so I should know this. I'm going to try and do it from memory. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, no, wait, Rebuking, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So did I really get it wrong? I have to sing it. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Hey, I got it. If my kids can do it, I can do it. I'm just saying. So he has given us these instructions so that we can be thoroughly equipped for all of his works. How are you equipping your children? Are you providing them with the wisdom that they need to have a successful life? Are you providing them with the wisdom and guidance they need to have a successful life to follow God? Are you giving them that example? Are you showing them what it looks like? I want to move on to another quality, our Father who forgives us. No matter how frustrated, angry, or hurt our fathers are, if they are to follow God's example, they will take us back when we ask for forgiveness. 
countless times. Our Heavenly Father does not withhold his love and his forgiveness from us. He is full of grace, and he shows it to us daily. When we were younger, my brother and I, wow, we did not get along. Amy, you knew us when we were younger. We never got along, right? We were always fighting. We still kind of do, just a little bit. We're a little better. We're grown-ups now. We handle it slightly slightly more maturely. But man, we fought a lot. And it drove my parents crazy. We, we still fight, and, and I'm sure we still drive them crazy sometimes. But apparently, we have been forgiven time and again because my parents still talk to us. So how often do we forgive our children? In Luke 15, in the parable of the prodigal son, which I'm sure many of you know, <clears throat> Jesus paints the picture of a son who has completely broken his father's heart. He has taken his inheritance. He's basically said, mm, you might as well be dead. Can you just give me my money now instead of waiting until you die? And I'm going to go off and do whatever I want. And the father does it. He gives it to him. Um, he goes, he takes his inheritance. He leaves. He gambles it all away. He spends it on nothing. And he hits rock bottom. Just like literally rock bottom, he was wanting to eat pig food. So um, he wants to come crawling back full of repentance. And the father, he does Forgive him. How hard would that be to be so brokenhearted and then just open your, uh, open your arms and welcome him back? But I love their father's reaction in this story because it's just so incredible to me. And it's a perfect example of true love. The son has just realized how foolish he is. And now he's lost everything. And he thinks that maybe, maybe his father will take pity on him and hire him back as a servant and pay him as a servant in the house that he used to live in. And that's, that's a lot of humility right there. I mean, you really have to hit the lowest of low to want to go back and work as a servant for your father in, in the house. I mean, his brother's still there living the life, you know, as son, and he's willing to go back and, and work as a servant. So you can tell that he is truly repentant, and he truly does want forgiveness. He has humbled himself to the lowest of low. So he decides to go back, and the father's watching for him. So we'll pick up at verse 20. <clears throat> In Luke 15, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. His son was basically dead to him, completely lost, um, and he was never going to see him again. And rather than letting insult and anger, and, and this wasn't like, oh, some accident took his son away from him. This was his son's choice to break his heart and leave him. But... Instead of letting that insult and anger overcome him, when his son was returned to him, he rejoiced. He was so happy. No matter how badly our children behave, if they come back to us repenting and longing for forgiveness, we give it. My two-year-old kicked me in the face the other day. It hurt. And as soon as he leaned over and stroked my hair, I was like, oh, I love you. I can't stay mad at you. You're so sweet. My baby. And, and, and that's the way that God feels about us. We're his babies. We're his children. Um, he's always offering us forgiveness, and, and he knows what we've done wrong. Like, there's a lot that my parents don't know. We'll keep it that way. I'm sure there's stuff that your parents don't know about you or stuff that you don't know about your kids. 
I'm going to keep it that way, but God knows all of it and still chooses to forgive us. We have such a loving Heavenly Father. And we are his children because he chose us. He chose us. He has accepted us by adoption through the sacrifice of his only begotten son. A sacrifice that must have hurt God to the very core, but was necessary to make our relationship right with God again. And we're going to look at Ephesians 1, starting at verse 3. <clears throat> Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ and according with his pleasure and will. So what this is saying is that when God created us, the very beginning of the universe when he created us and when he formed this plan in his mind, he knew all of the bad that we were going to do. He knew we were going to break his heart repeatedly over and again. But he longed for a relationship with us so much anyway that he planned accordingly for that. He knew from the very moment that he decided to create us that we were going to fail him and that he was going to need to offer up his perfect son. He was going to have to create this perfect, perfect person, Jesus Christ, in order to bridge the gap that we were going to create, that we have created, and that we continue to create every day. So he longed for a relationship with us anyway, and he made that plan to go through all of the heartache, to go through all of the sacrifice, because he felt that we were worth it. He loved us so much that all of the pain and the frustration was nothing compared to the love and the joy that we could find in him and the love and joy that he finds in us. Fathers, I hope that this is the example that you take away from today. All the sleepless nights and the worrying and the back talking and the sarcasm and the arguing and the disobedience and the fighting, all of it, all of it pales to the love that you find in your children and the pride you find in a child well-raised in God. Speaking as a mother to all of you fathers here, all the fathers here at this church, we so appreciate the example that you fathers are setting for our children here at North Hills. Your influence in their lives is absolutely invaluable. They're watching you, they're learning from you, and they see you serve God in great ways. So thank you for setting that wonderful example to them. Let's close in prayer. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, you are so amazing. The love and joy that you experience in us, your children, is astounding, and we revel in it. We love it. We love you in return. Thank you for delighting in us and for rejoicing over us. And when we require correcting, please help us to recognize rebukes for what they are, a growing opportunity, a chance to become better people modeled more after you. Lord, we thank you that you put up with all that we do and all the frustration that we must cause you. Thank you for loving us anyway. Thank you for setting the ultimate example of parenting. Please help us to learn from you. And thank you, Father, for the dads that are here today, learning about you and investing in a relationship with you and in a relationship with their children and all of our children here. We praise you. We thank you in your precious son's name. Amen.